Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast of Word First Ministries. Tune in each week and join us as we pursue God's command to make disciples of all nations. What is up, you guys? Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast brought to you by Word First Ministries. I am your host, Jacob O'Neill, and as always, I'm joined by my friends Bailey and Cameron. Hey, hey. Bailey, pray us in, man. Yep. Lord, thank you for the conversation we had last time with our brother Idik. Um, we just want to take this time to unpack that because obviously there was a ton that we learned and ought to learn from it. So, um, yeah, as we talk about that more and dive into what he shared with us, I pray that we would um, get everything we possibly can from it and gain all the wisdom we can from our brother. So, Lord, be with us in this conversation. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Bailey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you mentioned, uh, last time we had a wonderful interview uh, with Mr. Idik, mm-hmm. uh, Pastor Idik, mm-hmm. uh, who pastors at mm-hmm. uh, Bielsen Mission Shirka. Right? Was that close? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. Un- it wasn't. It was a little. It wasn't. I would just not, say this place. This, this place. place, right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you might recognize this from that interview. Uh, and he was kind enough to give us a place again. And uh, we wanted to talk about some of our takeaways from that because I don't know how you guys feel about it, but mm. I felt like it was an awesome conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, he's always been so encouraging mm-hmm. and uh, and challenging and deep and insightful. And our interview with him did not did not disappoint in any of those ways. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And so I think we're. Just, uh, um, my feelings were, I think we'll just kind of go like just kind of in order of like some of the questions we asked him and some of his responses and kind of, uh, reflect on kind of where that lands in our lives yeah. and how that, mm-hmm. how they kind of resonated with us mm-hmm. and some of our takeaways from that. Um, so I don't know, um, how you felt about it as a Norwe- someone of Norwegian <laughs> lineage. Um, but I thought that, uh, his, uh, him talking about uh, his time in Uganda yeah. and hearing that hymn about uh, I, I I will not rest until Jerusalem is built. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have the last line of that yeah. hymn actually still? Would uh, you mind reading that for us? Yeah, there's a battlefield in my soul, but I will endure and I will stand until we have built Jerusalem in the heart of my motherland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't help but thinking, I'm like, I wonder if Cam kind of relates to that a little. I know. Yeah, so I don't know if I relate to that hymn in exactly this. I don't know if it spoke to me or, or moved me in exactly the same way that it did Aida. Sure, yeah. But when he said, and then I came home as like an evangelist mm. to Norwegians, like I brought the gospel home to Norway, I definitely feel that way, um, which is a weird, uh, I don't know how to explain it other than that. You know, we've talked a little bit before about sort of the beautiful picture that I have in my heart and mind about God preserving my family, like a godly men. Uh, came from Norway to the United States, where they continued to be good and wise. Um, in fact, my ancestor who came to the United States was called Helga, and Helga means a holy man. And so God preserved like a holy man mm-hmm. as a as a forefather for my family, and now is bringing the gospel back with my family to sort of our ancestral home. There's something really um, moving that like that really moves and touches me. So. I don't know about building Jerusalem here or like, like that, like that exactly that thing. Mm. I I'm sound like I'm, I don't know, but like, I don't know if that exact thing touches me the same way, but the idea of bringing the gospel back to Norway is definitely, uh, definitely like alive in my heart. Yeah, that's kind of more what I was like thinking because yeah. you've, uh, t- and I don't exactly resonate with the mission in the same way as you sure. do, but that's yeah. good. I'm happy. We're not carbon <laughs> copies of each other, but, um, you've, uh, oftentimes expressed um, this kind of longing to like, ah, I feel like Norway is my home and I've mm-hmm. longed to return home. And you just, yeah. uh, not, 
I want to, I don't want to say like emotionally attached to it, but there is this kind of element where you're just like the, the, the heartbrokenness that you expressed mm. over like the people. Yeah. In it feels like my people. Yeah. So uh, Norway know that I'm not like, you don't have to claim me, mm. right? <laughs> you, know, right. Like, you don't have to count <laughs> me as one of say. yours, <laughs> but I definitely count you all as some of mine. Mm. And, sure. And so it feels like being with and among, among my people, like there's something significant mm. about that for me. Yeah. What was interesting too is, uh, I, uh, so what I like to do is I like to talk to the interviewees before I interview them mm-hmm. on the on the show. Um, Eidek, when he was uh, talking about this, him with me and his mm-hmm. experience in uh, Uganda, he actually used some of the same words that you use when he said, like this this him perfectly describes a country that has lost its first love. Mm. Th- that's like word for word, yeah. exactly the way that you... Uh, I did say he was a wise man, so... <laughs> <laughs> Stupid, sorry. I love it. Yeah, well, I think I, I love the kind of um, just the sense of the fire, like, in his soul. Mm-hmm. Like this, he's been uh, an evangelist, like, since the first day we met him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that we can really appreciate that kind of evangelical fire. And it kind of dives into what he started to talk about, the spiritual state of Norway mm-hmm. and kind of how people, uh, you know, react to Christianity and stuff and the kind of religious, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh kind of foundation the things you were talking about in that interview that people mm-hmm. uh like are more religious but like aren't and stuff like yeah. that what mm-hmm. are what, what are some of our like reflections on that topic uh yeah i so i'd back up to say uh kind of to his testimony or um not his testimony but when he was uh describing how he came to be a pastor mm-hmm. um for me that was like a i don't know i feel like from what I know about Norway, Norwegians, the culture and everything so far, right? Um, it sounded like the perfect, uh, I don't know, rising to the title of pastor story mm. for a Norwegian pastor. Because um, the distinction that we like spent time last time uh, talking with him, talking about, um, was he recognized that God invited him to the work? And he didn't have the sense of like, God needs me on this mission and, mm-hmm. you know, I have to do this to save the country or anything. Um, like his introduction to even being a pastor was the realization that um, God could accomplish everything without him. Even if he's using all of his energy yeah. to fight God. To fight yeah, against I him. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> so his realization was God can do everything even if I'm working against him, but he invites me to be a partner with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just like, that I don't know heart mm-hmm. is so perfectly matched for the like thing we keep talking about like yeah. every single episode um, like the temperament and just the heart of Norwegians like mm-hmm. they have good hearts and like um, good values in place mm. and value humi- humility and um, equality like really highly so I think a guy like that um, entering the scene like mm. again it's not he's not there to save the day but he's like the perfect, uh, I don't know, setup for the culture. So uh, I'd say just to start the conversation, like the his um, temperament and how he came to be a pastor, I think uh, from what I know, which could be nothing, but <laughs> um, I think it just so perfectly fits 
yeah. what Norway needs. Yeah, and so I completely agree, and that just helps me to appreciate all the more his friendship and brotherhood. Mm-hmm. So you guys came and visited this church before, while Whitney and I were still in the United States. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we got here, he invited us for a meal and spent right. time with us. And he and I have uh, met a few times, and um, I just want to take this moment. I mean, I've said all of this to him personally, right? mm-hmm. so it's not like I'm thanking him now. Now that he's not with us, I'm going to think. Talking about him behind his back. Yeah, talking goodly behind his back, whatever. <laughs> right. But I just want our... Um, our, the rest of our co-missionaries, right? All of the people who are supporting us in prayer and financially and with community and all the other ways, right? We've all promised them, listen, this mission takes all of us. Mm-hmm. And we are kind of standing on the tip of a, the very narrow tip of a very big iceberg, which is you guys. So I want to encourage all of, all of you, all of those people who are invested in this mission with us. Um, you know, we talked to you about the kinds of Christians that we continue to meet in, in Norway and in Oslo and, and their sincerity of their faithfulness. And Eric is just such... Uh, Eric. Eidek. It's not even... Eric, stupid. Eidek <laughs> is uh, such a wonderful... has been such a wonderful example of that. And God has, has sort of delivered us over to capable hands mm-hmm. that we're working hard to learn and glean and leech and suck and mm. draw as much of oh their... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> God will refill it. Like, that's mm. fine. That's right, yeah. Yeah, God will refill it. But... Um, you know that we've there's been a theme on several of the, of our episodes, which is people are wondering like like what's going on? Are people getting saved? Have you started a church yet? Yeah, and uh, I, that's coming. Mm-hmm. But we realize more and more, and especially being in the presence of uh, or in the in the council of wise Christians who are here, how much we have to learn and work in preparation there has to be. So you you guys will hear soon about evangelistic efforts and what we're doing. Yes, right. we are mm-hmm. doing those. We are doing those things and are people getting saved? Not yet to our knowledge, but God is amazing and allows us to join in his work. So that promise that stuff is coming. But in the meanwhile, we have all of that structural mm-hmm. work that we talked a little bit about last time, like learning the presuppositions of the culture, uh, the things that everyone believes is true. Um, the things that no one talks but about, no, but co- and couldn't, if you ask them, mm-hmm. you'd be like, why are Norwegians like that? And they go, cause sure. that's how we are. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. So they wouldn't say because we have over a millennium of faithful Christian forefathers who mm-hmm. have built this into the, into the very soil of the place we li- we live like that's not there. Um, and maybe that's not even the right answer. I mean, I suspect it has something to do with it. But all of that stuff that's on the bottom, even if you said, why is it so important to Norwegians that you would never put yourself above anybody else? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how they would answer, but I suspect they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't have an answer, or they certainly would not have the same one. So that's the stuff that we have to learn well in order to be effective, successful, <laughs> efficient, faithful, mm. that whole interplay we talked about last time. Like, how, right. how is it that we do, we do well and we honor God? Um, there's just a lot to know and do, but be, the reason I said all of that was be, um, uh, be confident and be encouraged that God has mm-hmm. has put us in the pathway of really wonderful, excellent counselors, mentors, mm. and they are eager to see us here and glad glad to work with us. And we haven't changed their mind yet, so, yeah. so that's good. Right. Well, I was going to say uh, mm. exactly uh, what you brought up. I appreciate you bringing that up because mm. I uh, my mind was going crazy with reflections when he was talking about it. But mm. what a wonderful reminder and starting point that... God is like, you know what? I could do this without you. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need you, um, but I'm inviting you to participate. Mm-hmm. What a wonderful reminder and a yeah. starting point. We talked about how it was like 
that is liberating mm-hmm. to know that um, God's approval and care for me and love for me is not based on my performance. Right. And Idik uh, reminded us uh, uh, wisely that, um, like what we ha- what we do still matters. Like mm-hmm. how we participate right. and, and respond to God's yeah. call still matters. But I think that that is not uh, that's a. It's interesting that he went to that call that. Uh, revelation, if you will, mm-hmm. that that nugget of wisdom from God as his starting point yeah. for a mission. Mm-hmm. Before he came back to Oslo from Uganda, yeah. he had to start with this truth, yeah. that it was that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that mm-hmm. God uh, uh, is not dependent on us, but he is inviting yeah. um, you know, us to, pe- join, his us to join his work. And I, th- I thought that was... Uh, Really awesome. That was yeah. a wonderful well, starting. And point. It was so well said because when we say that, like just even saying the words, and when God, you know, God doesn't need us, and He'll reveal to us, "I don't need you." It sounds like God's being flippant. Mm, like sure, it, like it's, it, it has a, a connotation that I don't need you. I don't mm-hmm. care. It do, you don't matter. So right. No, 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 no. You highly matter, but the reason you matter is not because you can do the work that I can't. Mm-hmm. Right. The mm-hmm. the reason we matter is something is something else, something independent of what. Our efforts bring to bring to the table of the Almighty. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, of course, he's, yeah. he's, not going, he's, he's not going. I don't get that. He's like, no, no, no. This you are valuable, but not because of what you just put on my table. Mm-hmm. And would you like to remain at this table with me? And here's what that looks like. Which is, um, like you said, like Isaac said, is just liberating. Knowing that God's mission doesn't not only does it not depend on me, I couldn't prevail against it. You know. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, is uh, and yeah, like, like I really appreciate that insight, Jacob. That that was like the foundation of his missional focus was mm-hmm. recognizing. Okay, God's inviting us into into His work. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about that. That God invites laborers into His harvest. And you've said uh, oftentimes, especially back when we were in the states. You haven't mm-hmm. said it in a while, but okay. but it's good. You should bring it back. Yeah. Um, that if your dreams are. Uh, uh, like don't require God mm-hmm. to like fulfill them, yeah. then you're not dreaming big enough or yeah, something like that. Or you're not pursuing. You right. Know, if your dreams yeah. are, if your dreams are small enough that you could bring them about sure. with your own hard yeah. work, mm-hmm. it's like, then what's the point? Right, we, <laughs> okay. Then, go, we, then we don't need God for that. And he doesn't need us at all. He doesn't need us at all anyways. Mm-hmm. But it's like, why would, no, 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 no. We get to join the work of the, of almighty maker and sustainer of existence. Like, so why would we dream little tiny dreams? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like basically the same thing he said when he was talking about the University of Oslo mm-hmm. and his, um, like the initial heart he came to evangelism there with. Um, and he, I think he came like to the ultimate realization of like how best to, um, gosh, I'm, there's so much to like unpack. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to make sure I don't miss it. But um, he came with the heart of like, I have giant dreams and I'm going to see these things or with God's power and Mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. Uh, we're going to see these things through. Um, but what came about and like reflecting on it as you were asking him, he, um, told us that the most meaningful ministry in that time came from meeting weekly with people, Mm -hmm. having Bible studies and the like, um, overtime relational stuff. And it wasn't the initial, you know, the things that we think of when we think of saving the day right? or like saving a bunch of people, having a list of 20 people that are saved, mm-hmm. like his ministry that he points to in that time, even when he came with that same mindset, um, the stuff that God pulled off with his big dreams and everything mm-hmm. was in the small relational stuff. Yeah. So that's like, um, 
for me, the, his temperament and everything into becoming a pastor. Um, the reason I think that like connects to his, you asked, I think your first question was, um, what did you guys think of what he shared with us about the spiritual state of, Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think he gave us much more than we already know, like as much as we can know. Um, I think he said most of the stuff that we've been saying, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't think there was much new information there as far as like what Nor- Norway's religious makeup looks like. Um, but I think there was like value in seeing um, him in in that picture. Mm-hmm. So for me, like when he was describing him coming into being a pastor, I was like, this guy like fits that thing that we keep talking about. Like mm-hmm. this is the spiritual state of Norway. Um, it just... Uh, observing it as like a uh, story coming into play um, or like folding, unfolding before our eyes as he was describing it. I was like, this is the perfect temperament for these people because they don't need the, well, we do need uh, obviously to some extent the guys like you who can um, answer every theological. (laughs) I can still be on the mission. (laughs) So we need guys who can handle theological debates and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the thing we really need is, um, tons of Christians who are, um, willing to sit in those questions with people. So like the, um, relatable question of like, that's a good value you have. Um, or like, I remember asking one of my brothers that once and it wasn't an evangelistic strategy. It Mm -hmm. was like, yeah, it was me begging my brother to believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, that's a strategy. Yeah. (laughs) And I was just like, you're, you're literally such a good, kind person. Like when you commit to something, you see it through. Mm. And I'm like, I look at that with my beliefs and I see those as like gifts of like from God. And that's incredible gifting in you. And like, gosh, if you just mm-hmm. connect it to the one who gives it to you in the first place, mm-hmm. like how much more <laughs> yeah. um, that gift would be multiplied. Um, so like in the same kind of like we need tons of Christians who can have that conversation. Like, man, you have great values. If we can just like, if I can tell you about this guy who is the source of those things, um, like Christians who have that conversation over and over, that's what like we need, um, by and large. And like, I think Idik is himself an example of that, but also to me stands out as an example of someone who can make a ton of, you know, copies of himself, like yeah. people who follow that same formula. I was, I was thinking uh, something very similar mm-hmm. when, when I heard him talking about that. You know, he was talking about, um, and as much as f- fun as uh, doing the theological debate mm-hmm. and fighting on those hills and stuff like that, I, I think, the, like you just said, mm-hmm. like, those things are important, and, uh, and, and when they're needed, they're great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think I wanted to say this uh, during the interview. I didn't get the chance to because Idik's ideas were just awesome. Mm. But sorry, Idik, if this is uncomfortable for you, but we love you. Um, but he was talking about um, how uh, someone, instead of like going at it with like an apologetic strategy mm. or like a gospel presentation, can build a bridge between like values and um, the person yeah. that they're friends with mm. in their life and the values of Jesus. Yeah. And uh, as I was thinking about that, I was like, you know, really, 
very naturally, once you build that bridge to Jesus, mm. the steps to the gospel, not in like a presentation kind of way, mm. but just like a naturally, like, just like, hey, the steps it takes to get to the gospel from there are like very few. Mm. Like you can connect uh, really almost any, uh, call them apologetic question. Uh, like you can connect really almost any apologetic question to what Jesus said about it. And then that puts you right back very quickly on the track to be like, no, I'm not going to argue with you for, you know, three hours about Mm. this. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to confuse the heck out of you with a philosophical syllogism. Nope. This is what Jesus says about it. And if I can get back to Jesus, I, it's just a couple more steps to, Mm -hmm. this is what Jesus did for you. And this is, Mm -hmm. you know, what, uh, he asks us to respond to him. And so I thought that, uh, the, the thing that's really attractive to me about everything I just said is that it's so applicable to ICs like with every Christian. It, mm-hmm. Not every Christian has to be, I think you kind of talked about this on an earlier episode, I'm pretty sure. Not every Christian has to be like the expert in like a certain field of theology or dogmatics or uh, apologetics or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But Christians can focus on their testimony can focus on the values of the person they're actually talking to mm-hmm. and build a bridge to Jesus. And that builds a very quick, short yeah. bridge to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I uh, at least feel, you guys can tell me if I'm crazy, but I feel like <laughs> what I just, uh, the strategy, if you will, that's a bad word for it, mm-hmm. I admit. But I feel like that is much more personal. I feel like that's much more natural mm-hmm. instead of trying to, I don't know, I'm going to keep repeating myself, but um that that those were my takeaways from what yeah. he was saying of like that's so applicable like any christian could do that and yeah. then you're mm-hmm. right at the gospel and it's yeah. it's yeah or like zach said um when we interviewed him man we're talking we're just going through all the um, yeah. trophy yeah, yeah. <laughs> um zach um was talking about entrusting ministry to others mm-hmm. and i think just like that's oh gosh that's the thing that mm-hmm. excites me is like when you say applicable my ears are converting it to that's something I can entrust to someone else. Right. And it's um, applicable in the sense that it's like uh, realistically teachable and I can expect that of a Christian. Like it's mm-hmm. not a high bar yeah. you have to come mm-hmm. to to be an evangelist. Um, like we need, a, not like we need a low bar. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I know what you're saying. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to. So it's a well low bar of entry, mm-hmm. right? It's the, the, mm-hmm. the um, what it takes to do that. It has very few barriers, right? Mm-hmm. It really is just willingness. Yeah. So the difference between doing that and not doing it is your willingness, and that belongs to Jesus, anyways. It's not willingness plus gifts you don't have. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just it's the it's the uh, it's just that. Like, are you going to do what Jesus has told you? So it's an act of obedience, not a not a superhuman act that requires special gifts. Yeah. Like, not yeah. everyone can get on the stage, play a guitar, sing a song, mm-hmm. exactly. no matter how much they might want to. Um, and if it was just a matter of obedience, then there would be, right. If all you had to do was be obedient, you could do those mm. things. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I understand what you're saying. You're not saying we're lowering the bar. Yeah. What you're saying is you give someone a non terrifying task that you can lead mm-hmm. and train and develop and grow them mm. with them in, um, that they then can go and, and repeat and hopefully have some effectiveness. Again, we'll keep using that word, even though it's maybe a little bit of Norwegian, but, um, we don't, we don't um, spend energy knowingly. We don't spend mm. energy on dumb things, right? So I don't, I don't um, preach sermons at, in the corners of my house to mm. nobody, right? That's like okay. <laughs> well, but not everything you do yes. would be necessarily would be a good thing to do. Mm. I guess if Jesus told me to do that, maybe I would. But um, oh my god, it is. We want to we want to apply our effort in meaningful, mm. legitimate, 
and strategic ways because our resources are finite, mm-hmm. right? including our time, our abilities, our intelligence, whatever. Like, so we aim them at things that are, that are likely to, uh, to be fruitful, mm-hmm. knowing that we're not responsible for fruitfulness, we're responsible for faithfulness, that the, that the Lord takes care of growing the fruit. But we aim our efforts at things that are going to be fruitful. Yeah, and I love I love that um, because like what we've been saying is universal and like basically applicable to like every believer that walks in the door. But it's also more um, consistent with the image of like the body of Christ, like all working together. Mm-hmm. And so I I feel like there are certain people um, intimidated by like street witnessing because mm-hmm. they might feel like. Um, like, oh, what if someone asks me like an apologetic question that I don't know the answer to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, that burden, gosh, that burden, you've studied apologetics, right? You have a yeah, degree in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a, uh, how, how long could somebody possibly spend learning all of the different arguments and like so many different proofs? And it doesn't matter. It. it doesn't matter. You can know the argument perfectly it's, and someone goes, well, nuh-uh, so right. there. Mm. Yeah. Well, so what I'm saying is that if, if, if the bar that we set artificially in my opinion mm-hmm. and i love apologetics do not hear me anyone listening or experiencing this do not hear me like crapping on apologetics at all i love apologetics however i feel like if we can un uh, knowingly set the bar too high for people mm-hmm. make people feel like oh, before i evangelize i have to be an expert in apologetics you have to, you have to be an expert mm-hmm. apologist and theologian you have yeah. to be able to respond to everybody's intellectual retort mm-hmm. yeah. and you have to what you have to do is go and have the better argument yeah, that's a. I mean, that's a. Not only is an un, it's an unassailable. Like you can't get over it. There's no way. There's no way you could. Yeah, and it terrifies people into being catatonic, and that's mm. the worst thing. Just not moving and not doing anything. Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit. I think you, you, the three of us last week. Um, like Satan can't affect our salvation. So what is it that he does to us? Is whatever oh, he yeah. can to whatever he can to keep us still and mm. out of the harvest. And that's one of those things that can keep us out mm-hmm. of the harvest is is creating in people the expectation that you have to be an expert in anything. Mm-hmm. You have to be an expert in anything except Jesus' love and what salvation is. So there are things things to know, but every Christian is expected to witness. And if you can talk to somebody who says, you know, I really um, I'm bummed out about what's going on with poor people in Oslo, and you can connect that to Jesus, right? And be like, that reminds me of what Jesus has to say, and mm-hmm. let me let me tell you why. Um, Everybody can do that. Mm-hmm. Everybody can do that. It takes very little study to understand and know the heart mm-hmm. of God, especially after you've become saved and he gives you a conscience that speaks loudly and you can understand, you can intuit better the things that uh, that are God's priorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. And that kind of like fits uh, really nicely kind of hand in hand with uh, when I asked him, uh, what does it take to be a the 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 wording uh, was what does it take to be a successful pastor yeah. in Norway, mm-hmm. and um, when I wrote that question, I did not have in my mind I did not have the uh, connotation of like big church like yeah. lots of money and stuff sure. like that, and I think that came across like in yeah. the interview. But what does it mean to have done it well? Like mm-hmm. if, you, yeah. if God goes, I told you to be a pastor, and you say, okay, God, was I successful, effective, faithful? Right. Mm-hmm. Did I do a good job? Yeah. That being said, I really did appreciate his clarification like on mm-hmm. the term and yeah. him going into uh, the things like, well, maybe what's like a fruitful, the three things he said, it was like uh, a fruitful, faithful, yeah. fruitful, and uh, oh, now I'm was forgetting. Was it successful? Successful. No, yeah. no, 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 it wasn't. No, it was 
He was talking about Tim Keller. And he said, you've got yeah. success on the one hand and faithfulness on the other hand. And somewhere in the middle is fruitfulness. Yeah. Well, yeah. he was talking. something like success. Yeah. He's talking. Call we'll talk about that at the end. You're just going to hear three Fs because you're a Baptist. <laughs> yeah. <and> you're <laughs> right. I'm looking it's for to be functional. I'm looking fractional. Functional. Fantastic. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Fantastically functional. Is faithful, <laughs> fruitful, and ephemeral. Yeah. That's, so that's, yeah. that's what it was. Well. Ephemeral. No. <laughs> yeah. We'll get. I want to get to that part, but yeah. at the end. Uh, but so, uh, I. Him going into this kind of idea, it's a really like attractive uh, kind of picture of like what it means to like pastor. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, personally, just to talk about kind of like my my story and like why pastoring, I take it so seriously, is that I felt the call to be a pastor when I was like in middle school. Mm-hmm. That's how I, I talked to a lot of people. That's kind of around, around 13 is when yeah. the age when God calls you, I guess. Um, and so I, you marry, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just make God. sure we all know what category. You're oh in. my gosh! <laughs> nice. That's not what I meant at all. <laughs> you were called when you were thirteen, but uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, so how do I get this back on track? So um, the what I was trying to say was that uh, my kind of image of a pastor uh, be like, okay, God's calling me to p- be a pastor. And I don't mean this in any kind of critical way, but mm-hmm. my only kind of vision of that was in um, like, all right, that means I'll have a church of my own one day yeah. with a, a mm-hmm. decent-sized congregation, and I'll be part of the uh, Calvary <laughs> yeah. Calvary board or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go to some seminary, get a degree, and find a paying job in America as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, while the, that uh, model of pastoring is fruitful and effective in many, many cases, mm-hmm. especially where we come from, uh, the kind of uh, picture that Eidek painted of him uh, being a member of the congregation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a little more explicitly, especially in this context, mm-hmm. was a lot more attractive to me personally. Yeah. I don't know how to, that resonates. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, so, and so for me, it, the way that, obviously I had read, Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3, mm-hmm. and knows what Scripture says about being a pastor. But how that works itself out practically um, has really, like, developed in my mind, especially, like, being here yeah. and seeing, like, pastors at work. And I do not—I've said it a couple times. I need to clarify this real quick. Mm-hmm. I do not claim the title of pastor, at least yet. I feel yeah. like that's my calling for a future, yeah. but I'm not— Claiming that title yet? <laughs> That'd be a really interesting thing for you to do. Yeah. And well, I feel like someone can misinterpret it. Yeah. So I'm not trying to say that I am. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is that uh, my uh, it's developed in my mind the image of like what a pastor is. Well, it's like broadening the conceptual yeah. framework, right? So you, yeah, you were in a certain context and, and uh, God says, all right, Jacob, get ready. You're going to be a pastor. And you go, well, shoot. And you look around and go, what does pastor mean? And you have right. a, there's a certain template. There's a, there's a format that you're, that you're accustomed to. And I remember talking with Bailey years ago. I don't know. <laughs> it was years ago. And, and he was trying to explain to me, like, what excites him? Like, what place ah, okay. in God's family or in the, in the church, right? In, the, mm. God's, in Christ's body. Like, what does that look like? And he described something that's completely foreign to the, to the template model method whatever framework of church that we're used to it's just it doesn't fit mm-hmm. there at all it's not a it's not a thing it's like like tell me where you fit on the body and he describes wings and you're like that okay that's not, <laughs> that sounds that's sounds, a good metaphor yeah it sounds wonderful but that's not there and remember what i told you what did mm-hmm. i say I'll, I'll, let's see if no, you remember no 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 you say it oh my yeah no you say it i said that's that's really lovely and i haven't heard that perspective before mm-hmm. um but that does not exist yeah 
Like if if that's if that's what you think God wants you to do, then we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do it. Like mm-hmm. with, of course, I mean with God, in cooperation with God. Sure. What I mean is, <laughs> there's there isn't a there isn't a category for that. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna yeah. have to plant and start from scratch. And uh, and if that's really what you believe what you believe God is doing, then then my counsel is that we've got to consider how to be um, trailblazers or pioneers mm-hmm. in ministry because that does not fit into into the template that we're used to. Mm-hmm. Was that right? I said something like yeah. that. Yeah. I'm sure I said it better. Yeah. Um, it was that exactly. And like, especially when, cause that was when I first was meeting with you and, mm. um, yeah. So my scope was limited a ton back then. Yeah. And I even came to you like admitting beforehand. I was like, I know that this doesn't exist. <laughs> I've already bugged people begging them to make it exist. Yeah. Like, cause I think this is what I should be doing. Um, so like, can you imagine this existing somehow? <laughs> and you warned me, you're like, yeah, that can't happen in this framework. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's just, it's way too, like the DNA or the mm-hmm. operating system is, um, has to be different for well, to put that a fine role. point on it. That job doesn't exist in any church in California. Yeah. There's that is not any, that's not a position you're ever going to see, mm-hmm. you know, that they're, that they're hiring for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't, yeah, just, I think, um, I would agree like the, your scoping widened, like when he described that, well, actually, so I had a little bit of a, um, peek into that particular thing that he jumped, jumped into, like the being a pastor in the church mm-hmm. and not of the church. Um, so when we served back here a couple of weeks ago, um, mm. I talked to him afterwards and gosh, I just love talking with him, but he was getting into that conversation with me and um, introduced me to that like language and everything. Um, but it's really cool because um, hearing him describe it, I realized that obviously with other pastors, um, and then I also told Idik in that conversation that I've seen you do a lot of that stuff, mm. um, stuff that fruit that comes from being a pastor in the church, not other church. Um, and I've definitely seen a lot of those things with Idik, just in the small amount of experience we'd, we've had with their church. Mm-hmm. Like the, um, when we've seen him preach and his daughter runs up on the stage mm-hmm. and the church doesn't freak, like, yeah, no one freaks uh, out. No <laughs> yeah. one, like, drops their cake that they're eating or whatever. And by the way, they eat cake in church. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So his daughter will go up and he's praying and she's playing and pulling off his shoes and, mm-hmm. like, literally doing all this stuff that would be, uh, I don't know horrifying for yeah. most Sunday mornings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got, so in our church, you've got mm. 10 people responsible for tripping that kid before yeah. he gets up to the stage, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> like, you catch that kid. That's not, there's, and and I get it, that's not, <laughs> that's, the, please don't hear a critical tone. Like, I, I get that. Yeah. That'd be really mm. distracting for what it is that we're doing, what it is that's happening. Mm. What, it, what it is that's happening there, that would be a distraction, but it's not a distraction here mm. because I think what they're doing together is something slightly different. Yeah. So, and that's just like one example. Um, some others are like um, overhearing conversations with him and congregants after service mm-hmm. and just hearing the way that he talks to his congregation as like for him, he really naturally talks to them as brother and sister mm-hmm. and he's not talking to them as, you know, pastor and every time or he's talking to someone. Yeah. yeah. And it's not always someone coming to him for counsel. Um, like one guy came up to him after that particular service and told him he 
thought he did a very great job with his mm-hmm. uh, sermon. And um, I don't just the way that they had that conversation mm-hmm. was like characteristically different. Like yeah. I don't, there was just some qualitative thing about it that was different. Yeah. And um, I, I think that's a, I don't know, like perfect for when we talk mm-hmm. about our, like you say applicable um, and I imagine us planning churches and, or pastor factory. Oh yeah. gosh. So you say pastor factory, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's the most intimidating thing in the world. Yeah. Um, but then we also say church planners mm-hmm. and that's even more intimidating. Mm-hmm. Like we're supposed to um, raise up flocks mm-hmm. from us and what we yeah. can offer. Yeah. Um, and I think just the pastor in the church is a lot more realistically achievable in my mind yeah. than the pastor of the church. Like I can see us raising up um, guys who recognize the same thing I did. I can mm-hmm. uh, work against God or I can be still or I can partner with God and mm-hmm. accept the invitation he's given me to take up his ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we can find people like that's what we've talked about um, in coming here a lot too is like obviously God has pastors here. Mm-hmm. Um, we just need to go and find them. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah. Like, well, and, do you mind if I go? No, please. So <laughs> yeah, there's so much that was really great about our conversation with, with Eidek. Um, I, I liked that his vision of the church, his view of the church was like a garden where things grow mm-hmm. and his role. Yeah. And um, when he talked about letting, about letting other people preach, mm-hmm. where he's like, we've got to develop these pastors. And, and for him, it's a high value to love other people, his congregants' ideas more than his own. Mm-hmm. And so that means taking certain risks. And he acknowledged the risk of someone teaching something not quite right. Yeah. And I think he talked about it in terms of like, you risk weeds coming up in the soil mm-hmm. he's like but we do this we're doing this together They're, yeah like i don't right. expect the congregation are, are um their minds are sponges that just absorb and believe everything that they're told it's like no we work on this and we have small groups and we mm-hmm. talk about you know steve preached last week and he said this thing what do you guys think about that and and we get to work through it together and with mm-hmm. one of them, again being a pastor in the church and he mentioned that um he tells his small group leaders, his tells these small group leaders of this church that they are like miniature pastors. It's like, we're walking with people through mm-hmm. this stuff and we're dealing with those things. And that to me, I just, I just really love, cause I, there's an aspect of pastoring that God has, um, taken from like in my mind being a minor thing to being dominant in my mm-hmm. mind and heart about what pastors do. And that is shepherding and leading mm-hmm. and, and caring for. And that's the, the role and the, the way that is described over and over again, the pastor, right? A shepherd, and when Jesus looks at the lost people and says, they have no shepherd, mm-hmm. they have no one to protect them or to help them to help them to live well, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just more and more attracted to and in love with that. Now, preaching and teaching, of course, is, is important. Yes. You have to feed them. You have to feed the flock good food while mm-hmm. you're protecting them and all of that. But, um, he, you know, Eidek said, he's like, if my sermon on Sunday is the only spiritual food they're getting. Like then we're doing something wrong. Mm. Hopefully what I can do is inspire them to go and eat the right kinds of stuff and like show them where it's at. Yeah. And, and anyway, so that's all of that is, is um, in service of what we're, you were just talking about, about being a pastor in the church. And so not only I think, is it, is it more achievable than trying to, because I mean, frankly, we've talked about this. 
but the job that American congregations ask their pastors to do, especially the pastors of big churches, is impossible. Nobody right. can do it. Who can be a marriage counselor and a and a couples therapist and a drug counselor and and, and a human resources expert and a tax law expert and a land and property acquisition mm-hmm. expert and a financial <laughs> expert and a bookkeeper and an accountant and uh, and a preacher and a teacher and wise and right mm-hmm. all of these things like there's nobody who could do who could right. do that thing um, so that might be you know for whatever handful <laughs> of people in the world could maybe could be could achieve or attain that yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you're amazing. Yeah. You're out there. You're that's like, not that's yeah. not what I think we're called to. Mm-hmm. And right. to hear Eidek talk about sort of a different perspective of what it means to be the pastor of a church right. yeah. um, is uh, is not just refreshing and attractive. It also is, I think, to your point, Bailey, it takes the pressure off of what being a pastor factory is. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like we're not we're not um, not even trying to make those things. Yeah, like that thing's impossible. And if the, if that can be made, that's up to other dudes. But we can develop and grow pastors from within the context of missional community, where they get to practice in the context of a small group, being mini pastors mm. and pastoring with these people in their lives, and then meeting the call to to do that in a leadership position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what that shows is there's a um, to give uh, your congregation like. Uh, the the terrible word I was going to use for it was stock, yeah. <laughs> like to give them the opportunities mm-hmm. to like even put weeds in the garden or yeah. to like grow this garden together. What it, what it shows is a really mature. Uh, that's what like a mature leader does. Yeah, and so I think like uh, immature leaders want to like grab all the roses for themselves yeah. or do whatever. Or, like mm-hmm. they would do like, kind of like the opposite of like what I'd accept is like, no, the only spiritual food can be like my preaching. And it's yeah. like, mm. well, no, but like, and we, and we protect them from all bad ideas. Mm. But the pastors that, uh, we are, we seek to train up disciple mm-hmm. and, and the p- kind of pastor that Idic is, is, is confident enough and, uh, not insecure, but secure yeah. in his faith. Yeah. Confident and, and, and humble at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And, and is calling to, take those risks mm-hmm. for the sake of growing right. the, the, this congregation. Right. Anyone who's and gardens knows, right? If you, right. if you have really good soil, everything wants to grow in it. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. it takes a, it takes a mature gardener. I hate to torture metaphors, <laughs> even though I do yeah. it all the time. It takes a mature gardener to go, listen, I know what the risks are of me producing this very, very healthy and nutritious soil is stuff that we don't want to grow is going to grow there. But Jesus himself tells us how to deal with that, right? Mm. <laughs> so, so, um, uh, so, yeah, there's something really lovely about that, like the idea of uh, maybe of dominating a people and, and overly protecting them. I mean, you can understand where the instinct comes of course. from. Like, you yeah. guys are going to do it with your kids someday. Mm. You're going to want to overly protect your child <laughs> yeah. and prevent them. But what, also, what you do at the same time is you stunt their growth and you mm. stunt their ability right. to live wisely in the world, which, uh, which is worse. Yeah. I have one thing I'd like to say. Yeah. I, okay. It's a swooping arc. Okay. <laughs> okay. Stick with me. You're going to come back. Okay. Um, so pastor factory yeah. and church planning, uh-huh. obviously um, huge unachievable dreams by human uh, offerings mm-hmm. or what we've got. Effort, yeah. Yeah. Um, so those by nature are just uh, already require God to do the impossible stuff. Mm-hmm. So we got that clear, but I think, um, (laughs) so like specifically for us, um, this is just kind of wrapping up kind of everything we unpacked there. Mm -hmm. Um, 
for us, the um, pastor who's a pastor in a church, not of a church, mm-hmm. um, is more realistic and achievable. And especially, like, even the, um, you talked about the pastor who can't, like, we can't possibly expect one dude to be an accountant yeah, and yeah, all yeah, the other things. All those things. Um, like, even if we can, like, let's put the possible conversation aside. Mm-hmm. For this team, yeah. like for this group that got assembled and physically moved to Norway, mm-hmm. our makeup just isn't that. Like right. we absolutely couldn't produce that guy, um, even if it is achievable. Yeah. So we're not the guys to make that person. But I think we do have the makeup to mm-hmm. produce pastors who are pastors in the church. Yeah. Um, and then... Oh gosh, yes. So this gets back to the how we do you just leave? Just let Bailey do it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. How's a um, you can put it on our TikTok. What's the way. successful question? How I asked, uh, what does it take to be a successful pastor in Norway? Yeah. So um, there's one thing that Idik said when we were going back and forth talking with him, and um, we mentioned I don't know who it was, but someone mentioned an idea of like, oh, you could tell your congregation to um to go and have that kind of oh you can have that conversation with um people so just relate to them build a bridge on the value mm-hmm. and um they can connect that to Jesus like that's a thing we could expect your congregation to do and i felt like for a second Idik like considered that seriously in his congregation's context mm. and was like i could ask my church this <laughs> sunday like i could be like hey guys uh go home Find people in your lives who don't know Jesus and find a good thing that they have in their like a good yeah. value um, that they have in themselves and like show them where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, right. um, so I think he was considering that that would be a realistic expectation he could have of his congregation literally this Sunday. Yeah. And I would say, um, in defining what a successful pastor looks like in Norway. For me, that's what I would love the pastors that come out of our factory mm-hmm. to be able to say. Yeah. Like for their congregations, we could throw up an idea like that. And that pastor who's a pastor in his church is able to say, I could tell my congregation to do that this Sunday and they'd go out and try it. Mm-hmm. Like whether the idea is going to work or not, just the relationship that the pastor in the church has with his congregation, yeah. like being one where he can confidently say, I'll ask them that this Sunday and they'll go do it and we'll see how it works out. Yeah. Like I think that'd be what I would say um, is one of the key components of that definition of what makes a successful pastor in Norway. Mm. Like one who's sheep, one who's an effective shepherd. Yeah. Like his sheep and actually sheep hear, hear and voice. follow. Yeah. 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 Well, and challenges his congregation to share yeah. their testimonies and yeah. to share the, and evangelize yeah. basically, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. But and just yeah. like, I don't know for certain that's what go, that's what was going on in his head when that happened, <laughs> but I'm so convinced that it is. Maybe um, you should ask him before this episode yeah. drops. Yeah. <laughs> um, we can't cut it out now. Yeah, <laughs> so you should be like, hey, I, uh, you should I say no, I wasn't thinking that at all. Okay, don't watch the follow-up episode. But just like the, I feel like that's, even if it wasn't what he was thinking, um, I think that's achievable. Yeah. Like we can raise up pastors who can say with confidence, I'll ask my congregation this Sunday and they'll do it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like a really important component that we can realistically do. Yeah. 
You're making my heart smile. Come on. That's it. I had had another thing, which was, uh, so Isaac and I, we had coffee a couple of weeks ago and I asked him, I said, what, we haven't really dove into the church of Norway because it's in Norwegian. Mm -hmm. We have a certain view and opinion of them. And I I said, because he told me he's been listening to the podcast. I said, how, how close are we? And he goes, uh, you could use some nuance, which is, which Mm -hmm. is absolutely true. And he said, he goes, I appreciate that you guys say like, as far as we can, as far as we can tell or Mm -hmm. in a lot, whatever that we, that we never, um, sort of put mm-hmm. all of every church of Norway congregant or, mm-hmm. or leader or whatever, uh, in the same category. But I really appreciate the, the, he, the gentleness and humility that he offered us a broader perspective of the church mm-hmm. of Norway. So I'm, I'm eager to get to know those people. He told me, he's like, I know dudes that you should meet who are like priests in the church yeah. of Norway. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're evangelical and they believe the gospel and they want the gospel out there. I was like, yes. And I really appreciate, and I told him this in the episode because I hadn't thought of this before, but it's like their liturgy, they still have a liturgical service. Mm. Their liturgy is saturated with gospel truth. Mm. So imagine that. You have um, people who we would consider to be liberal Christians. We might question whether they're actually disciples of Jesus at all. Mm. But every time they go to, they attend church service faithfully, and every time they're confessing their sin Mm. and they're repeating their creeds, and they are saying gospel-filled prayers. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm so glad to know that. And oh, I've got lots of things to say about that, but I'm not. I'll just leave it there and say I'm really glad mm-hmm. to know that and eager to mm. explore that some more and to meet meet some of those people. It's going to be a minute. We need to be able to speak Norwegian way mm. better, <laughs> or at least hear it way. But I'm getting I can hear it better than I can speak it. Yeah. But we need to get even better at that. Um, to to sort of break into that world, mm-hmm. but that's a whole that's like a whole new, I don't know. It's like a whole new territory that once was dark and now has opened up to me. Yeah, and I want to go and spend some more time looking at. Very nice. Uh, I, I'm going to end this. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, on the same note, not as elegantly as Idik did, but as mm. Idik did with the interview, um, which is I look forward to that too, mm. and I look forward uh, Idik talked very optimistically about the, our future together uh working together and it was really humbling uh for me to sit here and have him like thank us for coming and it yeah that's weird. I, I am stoked absolutely stoked for the future of mm-hmm. working with uh people like Idik mm-hmm. and uh, the other christians here um his awesome lutheran contacts in the yeah. church of norway um to bring to fruition um those church congregation models that we've been talking about, yeah. those mm-hmm. pastors or pastors, um, that really, really excites me. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I, uh, yeah, I couldn't ask for the, a better team to do this with. I oh. couldn't ask oh, for <laughs> better Christians here, uh, to partner with in this. And so I hope you guys uh, watching at home in America, especially who have sent us to come do this, um, be encouraged, be mm. encouraged that the Christians here, uh, have not only received us, but as you heard from Idik in the interview, they're excited to work with us. Yeah. Mm. And that is, that's awesome. I'm yeah, excited yeah. to work with him mm. too. And it, to it, plane down our rough spots. Like mm. we haven't come to save them. Oh good. Okay. The Americans are here. They can fix everything now. It's like, okay, no. we got yeah. these, we got these square floppy chunks of something, but mm. they, they're willing to invest in us. Um, yeah. To to uh, uh, so that we can be effective in the co- in the context of gospel ministry here in Oslo. Mm. So that should be awesome and yeah. should be uber encouraging for you guys. <laughs> so we will uh, see you again next week. We really appreciate you guys tuning in for this episode. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to Word First Radio. If you like the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. 
If you want to learn more about Word First and how you can support the ministry spiritually and financially, check us out at wordfirst.us. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Word First Radio, and we'll see you again next week. God bless.